1: We receive a small percentage of however much you pay for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadas's excellent talks.
2: You know, I don't really think my life is that different than anybody else's on the bottom level, basic level. I was born into a culture, a local culture where I lived, which was upstate New York, uh, Long Island. Just like you were born into whatever culture you were born into, whether in the States or somewhere else. And I became me by experimenting and being experimented on by my parents and by people i met everybody the way people treat you what they, the way they look at you what they expect from you then of course as a kid you want to, you want affection and attention so you want to please everybody it's natural and so you begin to notice if you smile and laugh you get more candy you know and if you're cranky they don't they don't they put you somewhere and they leave you in the and the, whatever they call those little pens they used to have. What was that called? A crib. Not a crib. What was it? Playpen. That was close. Pig pen, playpen, same thing. When you're not good, they put you in the playpen and they ignore you. And then when you stop crying and laugh, then they come over and say hello. So right away, we're being trained by our parents, by our the people around us. We're being trained and how to live and how what to show people in order to get the things we want in life. Right? It starts very early. It starts very early. And in the West, uh, especially in the West, I think, affection is used as a, a, a tool, a controlling device for children. When we're good little boys and girls, we get a lot of affection when we're bad, nasty, cranky little boys and girls, we, get, we don't get affection. We, we, get, we get left somewhere or we get yelled at or something like that. So we learn if we want to get what we need, it's not even a question of what we want, but we need that affection. We need the nourishment. We need food. We need all that stuff. And I'll tell you another thing. As bad as any one of our parents, all, both of our parents might have been to us, and a lot of us have some pretty heavy stories, you're still here today. And there's no way you would be here today, being born one minute old. Somebody took care of us. Maybe against their will. Maybe while they were drunk out of their minds. Maybe they were not in very healthy ways for us or happy ways for us. But somebody took care of us. Oh, we would not be here. That's just an absolute fact. And it's on the basis of this that Shankaracharya wrote that his, one of his famous prayers, which is called Devi Aparada Kshama Panastotra. How do you like that? <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? And the name of the him is asking the goddess for forgiveness. And the repeating line in that prayer is "O, O goddess, Oma." In this world, a bad son or a bad child may be born, but never a bad mother. So this prayer is based on the fact that if we're here at all, if we survived more than a minute, it's because our mothers gave birth to us, in this gave, gave us entrance into this world. Now, for most of us, that doesn't seem like a very big thing, or maybe even a, a good thing at all, because we look around this world and it pretty much sucks. You know, people killing each other, bombing each other, shooting each other, dropping bombs on each other. All around the world, 24-7. It doesn't seem like a lot of fun place to be born in. But from an Indian point of view, from a Vedic point of view, or an Eastern point of view, even a Buddhist point of view, this world, this very world that we're living in right now, is the very world where you have choice, where you can make choices, where you can make choices about what you do, where you go, how you feel, what you think. You can make choices. You get a vote in this world. In the animal world, you don't get much of a vote. In, even in the deva worlds, in the in the god realms, there's no vote. They're simply living off the karmas that put them up in these heaven bliss worlds, and being there, they're, they're spending those karmas in bliss. When you're in bliss, you know, you don't even want to watch TV. It's just you enjoying that bliss, and you don't want to give it up. So you stay in that bliss. and you don't, you're, you're not on a level where you can make a vote about your actions. your actions are all. Uh, the results of their own karmas running off. And it's the same in the hell worlds. And if you read some of the Buddhist literature, they describe all these worlds very succinctly. And it's not very pretty. However, it's not permanent. Neither is heaven permanent. Both of those realms are realms we enter into based on the actions we perform here. And here is where we have a vote. So, we need to find out what actions we're going to perform that are going to bring us joy, happiness, peace, compassion, kindness, the things we want to feel. And we have to find out what actions are going to bring us fear and anxiety and shame and guilt and selfishness. And we get a vote on how we perform our actions every day. And now is the only time you get a vote. Later, you get a vote, but you can't change now. Later is now later. But you've already been here now and done something. When it's later, you can't go back and change your action. You have to live with the results of your actions. So now is a really big moment. This isn't a good and evil, good and bad kind of thing. It's just fact. Okay? Of course, there are other people who say that this is not fact and that they have the real facts. You know, what am I going to tell you? I'm going to tell you to trust your own heart. Listen to your own feelings about what people say, what people do, and believe yourself. Believe your own feelings and follow your own heart. Because everybody is going to tell you something different based on their own experiences and while it may work for them it may not work for you you're allowed not to to believe you're allowed disbelief you're allowed to make mistakes no problem but the problem is that being born in the west we're almost so already so far so much locked out of our own hearts that we don't really know the difference between right and wrong. We've forgotten what those words really mean. Because everything we do is based on how it affects me. Is this good for me? Yeah, it might hurt a few other people, but I can't help that. Is it good for me? Or is this bad for me, even though... Other people might be benefited. Uh, How is it for me? Me is our, our prime concern. We wake up in the morning. We start writing, directing, producing, and acting in the movie of me. All day long. That's all we do. Where am I going? What am I doing? What do I want? What am I wearing? What is it gonna do? What do they like me? What if they don't like me? What should I wear? Should I my hair this way? Am I too big? Am I too small? Am I too fat? Am I too too tall? What am I gonna do? All day long we just think about ourselves. All day long. And we think this is okay. That's the weird thing. <laughs> we think that this is the way it's supposed to be. And we look around at people. And we are actually playing their parts in our movie, right? I look at you and I see, you know, just unconsciously, I notice the way you're sitting, the kind of glasses you're wearing, your hair, your clothes, all this stuff. So I have an image of you and I immediately evaluate that image that that's who you are. It isn't who you are. It's my version of you. So I'm playing your part in my movie. And we do this with everybody all day long every day of our lives. And the people who kind of like makes us twinkle a little bit, you know? We like those people because they, they look good in our movie. And then there's people we don't want in our movie. <laughs> but seriously, we don't know really the difference because it's only simply our version of, of these people. And it's very hard. And then we get into a relationship with our version, and we find that, oh, that's not who that person is. Next relationship. So this is what we do all the time. How are we ever going to find out what's real? Is it going to come as information from the outside? From a book or what somebody else tells us? It's not possible that it comes that way. We have to find a way to trust our own intuitions our own feelings about things. And this is the number one hardest work we'll ever do. Because from day one, we've been taught by the world around us, by our parents, by our schools, by everybody else, don't trust yourself. Pay attention to what I tell you. And it's really hard to overcome the results of that kind of training. Because there is, underneath every version of reality, there is reality. My guru used to say, sub ek, all one. What does that mean? All one. There's only one. Many roads, many paths, many names, many beings, all one. Everybody sitting in this room thinks somewhere in there, I'm me. Right? You all, we all think that. You think you're you. You think you're you. You think you're you. It's perfectly reasonable. It's also complete insanity. You're not you. You're what's in there. Your real reality, your, your deepest reality, is your, your true nature is not other than God. Not other than love. Not other than truth and peace and kindness. And all these qualities, those are qualities of who we really are. But we think we're me. And being me, it makes us different from everybody. Different, different, different little bubbles in the room. Imagine if all those bubbles burst. And all of a sudden, we're all sitting in the ocean. Same ocean. One being, all of us together. One love. That's what we have to get to. Sooner or later, one life or another. That's where we're headed. And that's what spiritual practice is about. Ultimately, it's about deprogramming ourselves from all the things we've been taught about ourselves. All the evaluative stuff, all the negative stuff, all the limitations... And then underneath, there's all our reactions to that, to all the fear and the anger and the self-hatred and the self-unworthiness that we have underneath all those things. And this is what we're doing practice for, to ultimately relieve ourselves of all these illusions that are causing us pain. It's very simple. You know you know you don't feel good. You know you you you're not satisfied with the way things are. We all know that, but we don't want to fucking deal with it. Because it's too scary. Because it's too much resp- if we look at it, it we we have to take responsibility for that. And that's very hard. Very scary. We've been shot out of a cannon. And we're going through the air. And at some point, we're going like, now, wait a minute. Where am I going? How did I get here? As you're going. See, it's not like you can stop and say, okay, let me rethink this. No. It's like we're waking up on the highway, driving at 150 miles an hour. You know, we wake up. (laughs) You don't know where you are, what road you're on, where you're going, and how you got there. But all of a sudden, you're here. And here... And now is when we can look at stuff and try to take that fear out of our hearts, try to take that shame out of our hearts, try to take that guilt out of our hearts, try to take the betrayal and the the pain and the sting of not being loved and of losing love out of our hearts. Because if we don't, then the the stuff keeps pushing us around it isn't going to go away. Period. Unless we look at it. Looking at it is the first step. Forget about getting rid of it, but looking at it and beginning to see it is the first step. And it's not like you have far to look. Just look. Look at yourself. See the way you react to things. See the way you hold yourself in. See where the tension is in your body. See what kind of makes you afraid. See what you don't want to do. Why? See what, what, what turns you off and what you push away. Just live. There's plenty of stuff to look at. You forget about television. It's so exciting. It's amazing. When you, and when, the, when it starts to shift a little bit, and you really begin to kind of get comfortable seeing stuff, everything changes because you no longer are the victim of that stuff. See, we, we, we really feel that we're victims, helpless victims. Where did we come from? Yeah, we were born. But, but where, what is that? Who came, who was born? What happened? Where, how did I get like this? This is not my beautiful house. (laughs) Letting the days go by. How did this happen? You know? So we have two choices. Either we just allow, we go with the flow and let it happen, and fine. Next. Then you remain at the mercy of everything that comes up in your life with no way to deal with it other than to react blindly, emotionally, and immediately. That's one path. You know, if that's what you want, fine. If it's not what you want, then we start to look. We start to find tools that will help us pull the, wa- pull the plug on a lot of these knee-jerk, Im- immediate, deep emotional reactions to things. And i got to tell you, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a year or two. Your life will become your path, and everything in it will become your work. And that's an extraordinarily wonderful place to be because you're, it gives you an incredible feeling of confidence that no matter what shows up in your daily life, no matter how hard it is to deal with, no matter how painful it might be, you're here, you'll deal with it. It's not going to wipe you out. You have a vote. But you get that kind of strength only in one way, and that's from a spiritual practice. No other way. Because from a spiritual practice, you begin to train yourself to release whatever's going through your head at that moment. Whatever you're thinking about, you release it and come back to the practice over and over and over and over again. And you get more of yourself every time you do that. You want to sing and get high and have a good time and go home? Fine. That's okay. We're going to sing. And you use it the way you want to. But at some point, you're going to find yourself in your bed at four in the morning and there's nothing else to watch on television and you can't sleep and you're going to say, how the fuck did I get here? What am I going to do with my life? Who am I? What is this? So it would be nice to have some tools when that moment arrives. If it hasn't already arrived 150,000 times. (laughs) Speaking for myself. When I was coming home from India, Maharaji was sending me away. I, I could not believe it. I didn't know what I was going to do in America. I, could, I couldn't speak English even without doing this, you know. <laughs> yes, now just coming, no going. Okay, very good, thank you. <laughs> you know, it was like that. And I just looked at him and I, I wanted to ask him, what should I do? I've been walking around India in a red dress and barefoot for years without anything on my mind except not to step in the cow poop. (laughs) That was my big issue. Avoid cow poop if possible. I was like, what am I going to do? And then I'm saying, just shut up. Have faith. What's wrong with you, you miserable shit? Just sit here and shut up. But I don't know what I'm going to do. In a minute. I told you to shut up. But I got to ask him what to do. Don't you dare ask. You be quiet. Have faith. What's wrong with you? You're such a shit dog. Back and forth, right in front of him. Sitting right in front of him. He's right there. And I'm going like this. So finally, out of my mouth came the slimiest words I've ever spoken Maharaji, how can I serve you in America? You know how horrible that is? It's a total lie. Was I thinking about serving him? Bullshit. Tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. How can I serve you in America? He looked like he bit a pickle. He looked at me like "Ah." (laughs) that. You can't fool this guy. He knows everything, you know? He knows what you really think and what you think, not what you There's no fool. You can't fool him for a second. So he just looked at me and said, Do what you want. (laughs) Now, I had been celibate for three years. I know what I wanted to do. (laughs) And he knew what I wanted to do. And he said, do what you want. (laughs) It might not be so bad back in America. But with those few words, he completely changed my life. He gave my life, if I thought he had my life, that he was somebody else than me, for instance, that he was going to tell me what to do in life, like some of us think that's what a guru is. They tell you what to do. You don't have to worry. They're going to tell you the right thing to do. If I had that particular illusion, he just wiped it out. He said, do what you want. What What do you mean do what I want? There's a billion things I want to do. Do what you want. (sighs) Finding out what I really wanted to do was the biggest that saying that to me was the greatest blessing that anyone has ever given me. It's it said here, it's your life. Do what you want. You mean I can do what I want? Yeah. Do what you want. You mean what I want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do it. You don't mean, yeah. Yeah, Really? Yes, do what you want. imagine somebody telling you that. Somebody who has ultimate love for you and knows everything, past, present, and future, of you and everybody else in the world. Could raise the sick and heal the dead the other way around. <laughs> raise, this, raise the dead and heal the sick. He could do the other one, too. He picked. <laughs> Who showed he had all those powers all the time. There was no question about this. It's not even a discussion. You don't have to believe it, but that's okay. Read the books about them and then see what you think. And this is the person saying to you, do what you want. You mean I could eat as many cookies as I want to eat? Yeah. Do what you want. And I could watch TV all the time if I want? Yeah. Do what you want. And if you think that wasn't the ultimate freedom and the ultimate hook that went on the heart that you could never get out, that that was—I was a fish on a line, and I was never going to get off that line. And he's just reeling me in slowly, and I'm going this way, and I'm going that way, and I'm going this way and that way and this way. He's just slow; you don't even feel the pull of the of the line coming in. And I'm swimming around. I'm eating cookies, <laughs> and I'm swimming around. I'm getting laid. And I'm swimming around, I'm becoming a big star. But the line is still, he's pulling. That line is going in all the time, every breath, every minute of every day. But you don't feel it because he's so sweet. He doesn't, he'd go faster. And in those moments that I'm just like going, okay, maybe you feel that line pull stronger because you're no longer swimming against it. Ultimately, what you want to do is let that line take you in because that's way into love, into unconditional love, into your own heart because that's where the line is coming from, your own heart. Think of all the things we do that we don't really want to do or the things that we do to try to get something that we think we want, that we hardly want. We want to feel good. We want to feel good all the time not just when we can connect with pleasurable things or or get rid of things that cause us pain. We want to feel good all the time. That kind of feeling is already inside of us. And as soon as we stop swimming against the line and gobbling up all the little crumbs that are thrown down into the water, and we turn around and we start swimming towards where that line is coming, life gets very different. But a certain amount of gobbling has to be done. You can't pretend you don't have desires. You can't pretend you don't want things. Who are you pretending to? Who? My parents are dead. I don't have to pretend that I want to clean my room anymore. I just leave it the way it is. Who are you pretending to? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself that question. Why don't I have what I want in life? Why am I not going after the things I want? What's going on here? Who am I talking? Who am I pretending that I don't want things? Who is that? Who told me I can't have these things? Who told me I shouldn't be happy? Ask yourself these questions because nobody's going to ask them for you. And until you come up with an answer or answers that may get deeper and deeper over time, you have to keep asking these questions. You don't have to. I'm sorry. That's the wrong word. You don't have to. Don't. I'm not ordering you to. I'm suggesting that if you'd like to be happy and to be in touch with that sense of well-being... That is who we are, not something we get from other stuff, but who we are. That sense of okayness every day, 24-7. The sense of all right, even when somebody just ran over your foot with a tractor. There's a sense of all rightness that does not go away because it's always here. But we're just too busy looking other places. Oh, yeah, meditate, sing, do asana practice, do whatever you want to do. But if you ain't paying attention, you're wasting your time. Okay, you're not wasting your time. See, I'm a little cranky. But if you're not paying attention, you're not getting the full blessings of the practice of what you're doing. Because you're divided. If you're going to asana practice when you really want to be in the movies, going to the movies... Half of yourself is already in the movies and only half of yourself is in the practice. We have to try to find a way to to be 100% with whatever we're doing. Whatever we're doing. Whenever we're doing. Not to be split. Not to be split into 40 different pieces wanting 19,000 different things and just taking this one because it's right there. And how does that happen? Well, it happens through practice. Practice is what kind of brings us back from Nunu land, dreamland. But practice has to be done with some intention and attention if you really want to get. If you plant a seed by just throwing it out on a concrete, maybe. Maybe some dirt will blow over it and then somebody will piss on the side of the road and water it. And maybe it'll wind up growing. You never know. What are the chances? But if you take that seed and you take it to a field and you plant it in a nice furrow that has the right kind of uh, fertilizer and it's watered regularly, the chances are going to grow very good. And it'll be a nice, healthy plant. That's practice with attention and intention, and some understanding about the path, and what this is all about. You don't have to think like this, and it may not be your style. That's okay. But if you don't pay attention when you practice, and when you do things that even aren't practice, you're just not. In, you're just not here. You're just dreaming your life away. And then, boom, dream over. You know, when we're dreaming at night, when we're asleep and dreaming, it never occurs to us in the dream that it's not real. Does it? You don't like walking, I know this is just a dream, don't mess with me. No, most of us, Experience our dreams as as if they're real. The time frame seems real. It's like you live a whole life in five minutes at night. And we don't, but we wake up. Something wakes us up. What's going to wake us up in this dream? In this dream, our own efforts to turn towards that place within us that is love that is truth, that is being, that is happiness in us. That's what's going to wake us up. And we turn towards that through a practice, through doing some practice. It can be any practice. I'm not telling you what practice to do. Chanting is one of them. Many practices. Chanting is mainly the practice that I do. My guru... He asked us to chant all the time. He wanted to hear us chant. And he said, from taking the names of God, from chanting the names of God, everything will be brought to completion. All your karmas are brought to completion. The things you need in life come to you. The wholesome things, the good things, and the things that are messing you up, they tend to go away and lose power over you as time goes on through this practice. That's what he said. Once again, you don't have to believe me, but you could hear me. It would be nice. Let it go in there somewhere and rattle around, and maybe someday it'll come back to you at a moment when you need it.
1: Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you, namaste.